Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This is where we're going to be this morning um, as we continue uh, to study the, the, this great chapter in the great book of Romans in uh, the Word of God. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you uh, Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, and I will read down through verse 25. This is the passage we'll be in this morning. Uh, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing uh, for the revealing of the sons of God. Uh, For for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, uh, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Uh, Verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and, and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits, uh, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly uh, for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Uh, now hope that is seen is not hope uh, for, for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope... For what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to honor you. Help us to gain great encouragement and courage today as we think through uh, what you have for us today uh, and what we see on the horizon. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you were here last week, uh, we looked at the great Abba Father passage uh, uh, in chapter 8, verse 1, talks about uh, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. If you, you can amen at a time like that. That's good stuff, right? Praise God. Amen. There's no condemnation. Uh, you want to think of, we'll just spend a few moments dwelling on all our sins of the past, and then we will read chapter 8, verse 1 again. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We just praise him for that. That's such good news. And after he talked about no condemnation, Paul explained that we're no longer stuck or indebted uh, to walk in the flesh anymore, that we now are walking in the spirit. We, we have a relationship uh, that is no longer uh, enslaved to this, uh, the flesh that we struggle with, but now uh, we are set free and now can walk in the Spirit which He gave us. And then last week, uh, we learned of this new idea or this new picture of adoption as sons. And to have that intimacy uh, with our Heavenly Father that we cry out to Him, at Abba, Father. Uh, that one that is not a distant father, but an intimate father that we cry out to as a toddler would cry out uh, to their father uh, in the joys and sorrows of life, wanting and knowing the intimacy that they have with their father. This brings us, um, well actually, but wait, there's more. (laughs) He told us last week that we are not just sons, 
but sons that are heirs, heirs of all the riches of heaven and heirs with Christ. And we left last week uh, talking just briefly about suffering with Christ, suffering with Christ. And that's where we pick up today, verse 18. Today we're going to find that suffering, in, in suffering in this life, suffering in this life right now, uh, in the days to come, the, uh, the suffering we will find uh, cannot be compared with the riches that we have and will have because of Jesus. And it's a very important piece of the puzzle for us today. Um, I, I don't want this day to be heavy. I want it to be joyful in the sense that we have an answer to suffering in this life. Um, and of course, there is suffering in this life. Uh, any raised hands this morning? Any suffering in this life? You know, things that are going on. Uh, things that uh, maybe in the past that you didn't want to happen, that did happen, that are impacting today. Maybe it's things that you just found out about this week uh, that are bring suffering to your life and things that you struggle with. Or maybe they're out on the horizon and you're fearful to look out on the horizon. You don't want to look because uh, you say, it seems like we're on a crash course to suffering. Um, and yet this morning... Uh, we're going to delve in an important piece of the puzzle uh, for us to gain courage and strength uh, as we consider the sufferings of our time. Okay, so, so in verse 18, we get a suffering summary. He's going to talk more about this. He has shared in verse 17 about that suffering is a part of this life. And, and Paul says this, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. That word considered is the idea of pulling out the calculator. It's making the calculations. It's not just vaguely looking over there and saying, ah, I, think, I, think I think it's going to be okay. It's not a reckless type emotional decision. It is a staring at something, staring at the options of life, the things that are before you, or, or uh, um, really delving in deep to the issue at hand and really making some decisions on it after it has been studied. And Paul says, I've considered, what have I considered? Sufferings. Sufferings. I, you know, the songs that we sang today, Zach knew what I was going to preach, and so he picked some great songs that hopefully are great encouragements to all of us. I think they are, or to my soul. Um, the, his lazy wisdom, great, great, uh, spoke to my soul as well. Um, and, and as I look at suffering, I, before we get into suffering, what does suffering do to you? What does it do to you? When it, when it shows up in your life, when you, you know, I, I think suffering's kind of like the male, right? Uh, you're fine. You're fine. You're living your life and you're doing what you're going to do. And then you go to the mailbox and you go, oh, no. Oh, no. And uh, I, I don't know if you're like I am. I, I, uh, there's a real quick connection to mail and trash, right? Um, and 
And there's this thing that, that, you know, if you're uh, sending me mail because you want to get my business or you want to bother me about something, mail's probably not the best way to do it. Because I'll look at it, I won't open it, I'll look at it and go, oh, this is trash, you know. And I find great satisfaction in tearing that up and throwing it in the trash. But the reality is that it didn't solve anything. You can imagine if you do that to your bills, right? Oh, I know what's in there. You know, throw it away. And suffering is like that. There's this uh, entering into your life. It's coming. It's, it's not welcome. It's not wanted. In fact, uh, most of us, what drives us in life is the path of least resistance. The idea, what's the easy way? Well, is, is there a hack for this? You know, I, I don't, I don't want to do it the right way. I want to do it the easy way, the way that is simple. And when suffering enters your life, when suffering is right in front of you on the road, what do most of us think? I don't want to do this. What's the other way? Uh, if this is the path and suffering is on the path, I'll go the other way. I'll go the other way. I think about that with our health. I know uh, maybe it's a little too personal to uh, for me and for you, for some of you here this morning. Uh, you, the idea of your health and you say, well, uh, doc, what's the easy way? Give me a pill that will solve this problem. Is there a shot or a simple outpatient procedure we can do uh, and make this go away? What will make this go away? And I want to tell you that as you think about suffering, I think all of us have this this desire to make it go away. Uh, To take that path of least resistance or say, what is the easier path than this suffering that I am in? How can I stop the pain? That is most of our reactions to suffering. Yet as we look at... uh, the passage we looked at last week, verse 17, told us that we, uh, we suffer with him. We suffer with him. And then in verse 18, it says he's considering the sufferings. These sufferings, if you, uh, you, you see this, this term for suffering or affliction, I think is another translation, 16 times is used in the New Testament. And it's, it's either really one of two things. It's Christ's sufferings or it's Christ's followers' sufferings. And, and I want you to just mark it in your mind and heart right now. Christ's followers suffer. Christ's followers suffer. So if you're a follower of Christ, you will suffer. It is to follow after Christ is not, is not, the path of least resistance. It's not. I realize that doesn't sound very evangelistic. Come to Jesus and you'll suffer. I, I want to tell you, uh, that's the clear gospel right there, right? Come to Christ, you will suffer. Um, as, as you look at this, and, and it's hard for us to get through, and, 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 and we realize, right? We realize that we're Americans. And, and we don't even, you know, we don't even get up to change the channel on the TV anymore, right? 
Some of you are going, wait, that was a thing? <laughs> yeah, it was a thing. That's why you had kids. <laughs> Back in the day. Turn to cha- Channel 8. News is on. Channel, channel 8, you know. Uh, you, we don't even like to do that, right? We're, we're like waiting for things to open and so we don't have to move a muscle. And yet the path of following after Christ is has suffering and in some cases is full of suffering. Full of suffering. And, and I want to say it this way, and, and I want, want to be clear on this. I, I want to kind of thread the needle this morning. Um, following after Christ is... Following after Christ does not mean that there will be no suffering. But uh, following after Christ does not mean you will hate your life and because of the suffering, okay? It's somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle. I don't want to say middle, but there's this special uh, kind of uh, rewarding uh, fulfillment, even in the midst of suffering, as we follow Christ. So it's you, this word's used of Christ's sufferings as well as his followers that are following in his footsteps. It's the pains of life. And when I say the pains of life, I realize that when the pains show up, whatever they are, whatever they are, we'll get to that in a moment, uh, we kind of think like it's our birthday or Christmas and we go, oh, is there a receipt that I could go return this? Can I, can I you know, say this wasn't really for me was it you know this doesn't fit into my life I don't think it fits in my life so can you take it back I didn't get what I wanted I want to say that suffering is for this life and if I trust in Christ um, there will be suffering And, and and I've heard it over and over again I've thought it over and over again when pain enters our life we say but God why am I suffering? Why am I hurting today? I asked you to take it away. Why am I hurting right now? And the simple answer is, is that somehow part of his will. That suffering is somehow part of following after Christ. It's, it's not the righteous don't suffer, but that if they suffer, they suffer uh, because it's part of God's. I want to share with you. If, I, don't, I don't do this often, but a few cross references this morning. Philippians one verse twenty nine. Philippians one verse twenty nine. Uh, Paul wrote this, and he said, "For for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake." Second Timothy two three. Uh, Old Paul, none of you here, uh, old Paul, uh, the apostle writing to young Timothy uh, at the end of his life, he says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Share in the suffering. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, uh, Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I, I always find that funny that um, that's the way we think, right? Uh, I'm walking with Christ and something bad and going, wait, I'm shocked. 
There's pain in my life. I'm shocked. I'm a Christian. Wait, I'm a Christian? I'm with the king of kings here. Somebody, some of those servants should just take this away. Uh, but he says, no, uh, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Uh, we won't turn there, but in James chapter 1, it, when it talks about trials, it says uh, varied colored trials. That's the picture of the wording in James chapter 1. It talks about uh, counting it all joy when you experience trials. And, and what are the trials of a Christian? Well, there are all kinds of different things, right? Uh, could be uh, a relationship, right? That's difficult because of Christ. Could be your marriage relationship. It could be a relationship with your parents because of Christ. It could be uh, a relationship with your kids. You know, that's a difficult deal, right? Especially when everyone else is just trying to raise kids. You're trying to raise kids in Christ. And that's going to be difficult for your kids as well as it's going to be difficult for you. Well, Johnny and Susie don't do this. (laughs) And there's this thing of saying, yeah. And the rest of your class and the rest of the kids. and the, the, Yeah, there, there, there's this, we are not the majority, right? Because we're trying to do something different. And there's this varied colored, it could be for you, it could be your finances. It could be uh, your health. I know many of you are struggling with health right now. And I'll, I'd say this, I want to say this, okay? Um, and I have the badge to, I have the scars to prove it. Now, I think that many more, many more of us are going to be struggling with our health in the days to come. I don't say that to you to cause you to become fearful. I say that to you to get ready, get ready, right? You know, uh, there, there's a certain um, comfort uh, that's dangerous for us, right? It gets us lazy and we just go, oh, God's just giving me so many blessings right now. I just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy that we would be shocked the day that we get the bad news about our health. And I, I just want to encourage you. I, I don't want you to live a life where you're, you know, you're seeing health problems around every corner, but don't be surprised if they show up. Why? Because there's suffering in this life. There is. And it's not just the ones that don't follow Christ that get sick. Glad none of you said amen. It's important to remember. It's important. You know, there's many different kinds of uh, sufferings. That these, and, he, and he says these present sufferings or these sufferings of this season, right? It's interesting. We like to uh, read biographies. Uh, people who suffered in the past and they did heroic things and we even like to dream of being heroic in the future <laughs> but the present sufferings of the day we, we don't really like to talk about those things we don't really like to think about them but these that's what Paul's talking about he says the present sufferings the things that I'm doing right now these present time things it's interesting that uh, sometimes the pain that comes to our life uh, have results from fleshly suffering. I call these fleshly sufferings. We, we made decisions that were wrong, not that can't be covered by grace, but we still have the implications of them today. We did something wrong. I want to tell you as believers, there's no, there's no reason to replay those over and over again. Do you know why? Chapter 8, verse 1. 
no condemnation. It doesn't mean that there's not still scars and repercussions today, but there will be fleshly sufferings. The past impacts today. There will be uncomfortable sufferings, you know, just things that are nagging. Um, There might be specific things like health, money, disasters. And there might be some that are simply, simply connected. Simply because I am a follower of Christ. And they, you know, this world, this the enemy and the enemy's followers and the people he can get to play ball with him uh, will hate us just because of Jesus. And these are the sufferings of life. And what does he say about these sufferings? I'm spending the bulk of our time on verse 18 because I think it's so important. The present time are not worth comparing. Not worth comparing. This... This idea is making choices and, and seeing the value of one over the other. Uh, I, you know, I always remember going to 31 Flavors and uh, uh, what a great place that you could have 31. What a great country we live in, the 31 Flavors. And actually there are more. And the idea that you can even taste them and you, you go, oh, this one, this one. And, and, and a lot of times you go, oh, I, I really want four scoops, but I can only have one. Dad is such a stickler. You know, he is so mean to me. This is suffering. Um, uh, but uh, you, you say, oh, I, I like this one a little bit more, a little bit more. And so I'll get that one. And Paul is not saying a little bit more. He's talking about two, two. Uh, and, and he says, small price to pay. Steal at any price. As he looks upon following after Christ, he says, it's not worth comparing. It's not even close. The sufferings of this life, I would even say cumulative, added up, whatever the difficulties of this life can be like, are not worth comparing. They're not worth comparing. This is Paul. As he got out his calculator, he goes, wow, this is amazing. Later, you can look up at Matthew chapter 13 and you see a couple of short parables in there that are back to back and they're very similar. The, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the, the pearl of great price. And, and both of those uh, treasures, as they look at the kingdom of God, of experiencing everything that uh, God's kingdom and his uh, ha- having relationship and being in his kingdom are all about, and it, it says this of both of them. It says they sold all they had. They sold all they had. And in one it says joyfully bought. <laughs> joyfully bought, right? It's this idea. And the reason when you pay a bill or uh, buy something, and you're joyful about paying money, is because that which you get is of far greater value. And this is the picture as Paul looks upon the sufferings of this life. And what does he say? It's not worth comparing. It's not worth comparing. Um, and, And why is it? Look down at verse 18. He says, uh, it's not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Uh, he doesn't really define glory, but as we look at this, all the riches of heaven, he, he's been dabbling around this. He's going to talk some more about us, this and the, really the progression of life, uh, salvation. 
that we will one day be glorified. And what does it say? Uh, It says, when the glory is revealed, revealed to us. I want to point something out here that that hopefully is helpful to all of us. Um, the, The Christian life, to follow after Jesus, all the riches that we have because of Christ are not here yet today. They're not here yet. We've just received a little bit, uh, a down payment. And and I want to tell you that this life in Christ is amazing. It's amazing. Uh, We can point to times and days and things that the Lord has done and uh, the comfort of His Spirit, the the, uh, comfort of knowing the truth. Like There's so many blessings of this life that we feel rich. And I want to say, you ain't seen nothing yet, right? It's something for the future, the glory that is to come. And so as Paul works this out in his own life, he says this, and this is inspired by God. As I think about it, as I consider, as I do the math, the sufferings of this present time, whatever Paul had, he got beat up a few times, thrown out, rejected. Uh, He went from a high position to the low position. Like that, that was Paul's life. If you look at it, we don't know much about his life, just summaries of the sins that he committed, but he was, he was a big deal. And then he came to know Christ and there was this sense of like being rejected, rejected, treated badly over and over again. And Paul says, I consider that those things, those sufferings, these present time, this life sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And I, I want to point that to the future, that this is glory that will be revealed to us. And we know bits and pieces about all the riches of heaven. And Paul knew a little bit more. He's inspired to write scripture. And so as he looks at this, he goes, it's not even worth comparing. It's of such greater value. And that's the, suffer, the summary of suffering. And so as we look at our lives right here today, uh, we, we should be mindful of that. And, and, and I want to say again, it's not the path of least resistance, it's following Christ. And as we look upon the path of, path of following Christ, it's just one path. It's not a bunch of options. And if we see suffering on that path, what should we do? Say, oh, this is the, the deal for me suffering it's got my name on it and so I will walk faithfully trusting in the Lord knowing that this is his path for me parents and grandparents I want to tell you that your kids and your grandkids look to you And, and you can say it with words but they're really watching your life more than they are listening to your words if your words and your life match it's a powerful combo it's a powerful combo. And as they see you go through sufferings, you're teaching them how to go through sufferings. You're teaching them. You're, you're charting the path. You know, they can look it up on YouTube, right? How to go through suffering. There's an influential video on how to go through suffering. But you know what? That's not going to be as powerful in their lives as the people they lived with. And, and they'll say, well, how did dad do this? Or how did my grandfather do this? And for you to know this, 
that you need to know the math well, that whatever you're having to go through is not worth comparing to what you have in Christ. Not just today. In fact, the small part is today. The great riches, the thing that's overwhelming is that which is to come. And and I want to tell you this, that... uh, I hope you're involved as parents and grandparents to raise the next generation that will know the worth of Christ and the treasures of heaven. If, they, if the only thing they, they see you get wound up about are the temporary things down here, they will think that this is what's worth it all down here. Um, and so for us to be fixated on raising a next generation of kids that are resilient, not because they're strong in and of themselves, but because they know the worth of Christ and the treasures of heaven. Verse 19, all creation groans. There's a lot of complicated things in here. I'm going to go through it briefly. Verse 19 says this, uh, for the creation waits uh, with eager longing for the the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who has subjected subjected it in hope uh, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God it starts out talking about an eager longing of creation And what that is, it's an eager anxiousness and a desire for things to be different. And he's picturing all of creation. He's not focusing on believers. He's going to do that in a moment. But he's picturing all creation, the world and all that's going on, both the things that you know are happening with weather, the things that are happening with politics, the, the things that go on in this world, trees and all these things. And he says, what does creation? Creation is longing and waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. And the best we can understand this is that we are the sons of God. We saw those in the previous passage that because of adoption, we are sons of God. We are made his children But we are lost in the masses of humanity and the things of this creation. And what is going to happen as Christ returns for his church is that the the believers, the sons of God, the people that have been saved are going to be pulled out of creation and become something that is known for all of creation, all that God has made. They will know who the sons of God are. And it speaks of futility of this creation. And uh, we could go on and on and on. Um, it, it's funny that some people thought, and some people think this today, it's just they're walking in darkness, but the world's getting better. The world's getting better. The thing that I couldn't get out of my mind, I, I didn't have it in my notes and I just keep thinking about it, um, is there, there's that sign, some of you have it, you know, uh, it says coffee, says coffee uh and it says something to the effect of you know it makes you do dumb things faster when with more energy you know uh and 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 that's our world right now right we're getting faster computers and and what do those compute can those computers do ruin things faster right uh and we're gonna see it i'm sure we're gonna see it um I think that how this thing, so we're more dependent on electricity and computers. And, and what's going to happen is we can wreck things faster and, and more effective. Uh, and I look at this and I go, this is creation 
seeking, you know, creator, creation, creating and trying to mess with things and trying to get things better. And what do they do? They mess it up worse. And as you look at this eager anxiousness of creation, they're looking for something better. They're searching. This futility is the idea of without success. We see it in the storms of this life. We see it in the seasons, the destruction of the seas, wildfire, wild fires and hurricanes. We see it over and over again. And it says of creation, it says that creation has been subjected and not willingly, but they are. Uh, it is. We look at this and this is most likely uh, pointing back to Adam's sin where sin entered the world and that was so it's Adam's fault, right? Right? Yeah, you can say it's Adam's fault, but you can also say it's Satan's fault who was behind Adam, right? You know, Satan's fault, Adam, Adam, Satan. And really, but, but as we look at this, why is creation subjected? Because it's created, and God is above it all. And when we try to fight against God, it, we lose every time. We lose every time. And we mess up our, our desire to be godlike uh, when we are doing that. And so it's this picture of creation longing for this seeing the sons of God and, and subjected to futility and longing to be set free, verse 21, from the bondage of corruption and all the sin that comes and once again, the children of God or the sons of God, end of verse 21. And then it says this, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Like childbirth. This painful nagging. And, it, you know, I, I've told you this before. It always makes me uncomfortable to talk about childbirth as a man. But here we go. Okay? Uh, I've watched it quite a few times up close and personal. Um, but but as, we, as we think about childbirth, it's this thing, ladies, you know, that uh, it starts off small. And you say, oh, I just feel uncomfortable. It feels weird. You know, I don't know what's going on. And there's this, there's this uh, childbirth and the, the whole process of the nine months that doesn't feel like much at the beginning. And then it gets worse and worse. And then as, as things go on, it, it culminates and culminates. And, and there's a, a progression to it, and increasingly so. And this is the picture, this is the picture of creation groaning, waiting, and increasingly so. And I, I want to tell you, as you watch the news, think of this passage. Think of this passage. As you hear of crazy things going on in our world, think of this passage. Creation groaning, creation groaning, like childbirth right? Increasingly getting worse. If you think about what it is, what's going to happen in the end, it's just going to get worse until that time. Until that time that uh, Jesus returns and then uh, him coming back again to set things right. We look at these events and we realize that whatever's going on right now, doesn't matter how many nations get together, doesn't matter what kind of wars we're fighting. That's just going to be the mess of creation groaning, waiting uh, for that time where Christ comes and makes things right. Which brings us to number three, verse 23, believers groan, believers groan. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ right now, wake up, uh, literally. 
Wake up and verse 23, 24, 25 is us. And this is where we should be right now. And this is how we should handle the sufferings and remember. And it's our instruction. Verse 23, it says, And not only creation, just talked about that, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We look at that and we say the first fruits. That's what I talked about before, right? It's this idea that we've had the down payment. Paul, other places, Ephesians, I think of, is uh, him talking about how the Spirit is kind of this first thing that we have. It's the seal that we have, but also it's the first fruits. As you picture a, a, a rancher, a farmer of some sort, and the, the first fruits that they get are like, hey, this is the first one. It's super exciting, right? It's super exciting. And those of you who try to garden here in Tehachapi, you know. You get this one measly little tomato and you're like, look. Take a picture and put it on Instagram for me. It's a tomato. I know it's a tomato. Uh, it's hard to see. We'll do it on macro. Um, but... Uh, we, we look at that and we say, well, this is for what is to come. And the Spirit of God working in us and being a part of our lives and dwelling us, that is the gift of what is to come, the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit now and glory later. He describes this, uh, verse 23, he says, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, who are true believers, we groan inwardly. We groan inwardly. And, and I want to I tell you, this isn't complaining out loud. This isn't bemoaning our terrible life. It, it's that suffering. It's that suffering. There's a reality to it. We groan inwardly. But he says we groan inwardly as we do what? As we wait eagerly. As we wait eagerly, there's a, 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 a today groaning and there's an eager waiting as well. For what? Adoption as sons. If you look back uh, to the previous passage, uh, you say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that already a done deal? In, if you look up at verse uh, 15, it says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You've received that. You've received that. And you say, well, wait a minute. So I'm adopted but not adopted? Uh, the picture here, and I love how it says it because it clarifies for us. You groan eagerly as we wait, uh, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. And then it says what? The redemption of our bodies. And so this, there's this picture once again of stuck here. The, that our bodies haven't caught up to the reality that is here, Right? And so that full adoption will happen. It's, a, it's already a done deal, but the ceremony and the finishing of that will come in the end. We wait for that. As you look at this, you realize we're waiting for that. We're waiting for that. So what, what is it? Um, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. And the idea of this hope that we are saved, this is the hope, this, this message, this truth, this is what, it's usually the word hope, and I, I always get nervous saying the word hope because uh, we're such a fantasy land people, right? You know, uh, 
we talk about, well, I hope it's going to be this today, or I hope this is going to happen, or I hope I get rich, or I hope I, you know, meet this person, or I hope, I hope. It's not necessarily connected with reality at all. And yet when we hear the word hope here, uh, some have termed it the confident expectation. I want to tell you it's more than that. It's the truth of God. This is what he said. And so though we haven't experienced it, we hope as in that, the message, we hope in God. As we look at this, he, he reiterates that is not present yet. Verse 24, now hope that is seen is not hope. And he's saying, I wouldn't have used the word hope either if you would have seen it because that have been realized. For who hopes for what he sees? That's the question. That's the obvious one. Well, you know, you hope if, if you don't see it, you have to hope in it. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, with patience. Uh, he's referring to this glorious riches of heaven in relationship with the Father through the Son that we will experience for eternity. He says, this is what we hope in. This is the glory that comes after. And so what key word do you find in that last verse? Patience, patience. Patience. You think about the pictures that uh, speaks of creation, you know, things that happen in creation, and, you know, planting oak trees. You know, you ever planted oak trees? It's not very exciting. <laughs> planting for a few generations beyond you is what you're doing, right? And as you think through e- even the picture here of, of childbirth and the idea of uh, you know, and there's obviously some amazing wisdom of God in, in the bringing of a child in this life. But what if it happened? What if you could just order it in a day and it'd be done, right? It's not the way these things work. There's a patience to it, right? The good stuff comes in the end. And so he calls us to be patient. And I just want to just leave that last thought. Patient, patient is what he calls us to. Patience in suffering in this life. Go back to verse 18. Why is that verse there? Think about that right now. Right? Whose thought is that? Whose thought is that? Um, if you think about, um, people talk about the word affirmations. These are my affirmations. People, sometimes they have things that they affirm or maybe even it's their life purpose uh, here at Bear Valley Church, we talk doctrinal statement. And, and what, what are you going to write in your doctrinal statement? What are you going to write in your life purpose? And I want to say, uh, who wrote verse 18? This isn't uh, confusing, okay? This is just uh, Paul. Paul wrote it, right? And Paul, for Paul, that was a very, uh, very personal uh, verse for him. He's not talking about you know, me and the other apostles, we got together and we voted on it with marbles and stuff like that. We decided that this was in and we thought about that and we all agreed that considering the sufferings of this life and present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us, okay? That wasn't it. It wasn't a group project. It was Paul writing this and he was thinking about his own life. He was thinking about his sufferings. And he said, it's not worth comparing. It's 
not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Paul didn't uh, come up with that idea. That's God. That's God. And God thinking in his infinite mind, Spirit of God working this out in the, the Apostle Paul, knowing the plan of the future, knowing what is to come, God worked in Paul's life so that he would write down for us, for us, that seeing creation, you know, what's creation situation and what's going on and how God's thinking as I adopted you as my sons and gave you the inheritance and heirs with Christ. And I know what I've done for you. I know what I've done for you. I know your sufferings. I know your sufferings. I know them intimately. Christ had those sufferings and worse. And he says, I, I, I know what is to come. I know the plan. And I know your sufferings. And it's not worth to be compared to what you will have in the future. That's from God. That's from God. So God knew that. Paul knew that. And kind of the question that I, I want to leave us with this morning is, do we know that? Do we know that? If uh, we're going to write something to our kids or grandkids, or if we're going to leave a message behind, and, and I'm not just talking about quoting the scripture and writing it down. There's value in that. And, and, and a lot of times we say, uh, when we're arguing with people or we're talking about them, and they go, you really believe that? And you say, uh, well, God said it in his word over there. But what I'm talking about here today is, can I say, can I say, these are my thoughts. I stole them from God and Paul. But these are my thoughts. This is what I believe. This is what I know to be true. That the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to me in the future. Can I say that? Can I say that? My question is, can you say that? Will I say that? Will you say that? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the riches that you poured out to us and on us in Jesus. We're excited about the glory that is to come. We're excited about putting the sufferings of this life behind us. God, do your work in your church. Help us to walk faithfully with you. Um, God, I do ask that you give us strength and courage for the sufferings of this day. And joy for the journey, knowing that uh, the good stuff is yet to come. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.